Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello, and welcome to episode 1133 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Saturday, January 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and it is time for a Fireside Chat live at PitchCon with Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going? What is happening? Yes, we have a fireside chat. It is pitch con time. It means we've got lots of starting pitchers to talk about all these things up in the air. What are we going to do? But yeah, it's just nice to be back by the fire with you, Paul. Especially in the winter. Sport, spore, I apologize. Oh, yeah, 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 you're not angry with me. I'm, not no, angry. I'm Paul when you're angry with me. Spore most of the time. So yeah, if you hear him call me Paul, I've done oh, something boy. wrong to upset Nick. So I'm probably <laughs> cursed in a spot that I wasn't supposed to. I will not curse on this. Don't worry. I, I, I adhere to the rules. I, I do think there's a few words that maybe I think we should be able to say that we can, but hey, I'm playing by, <laughs> I'm on your turf. I'm playing by your rules. No problem. But we are going to talk about some pitchers that we're struggling with because, you know, we've been doing rankings, you know, at least working on them. You've been doing your excellent uh, uh, rotation breakdowns on stream, been going through different rankings. And there's guys that we're getting stuck on. And uh, maybe, as I mentioned, uh, you know, before the, the podcast officially started recording for PitchCon folks, Maybe our discussing back and forth can help us better understand where we want to be with these guys. Let's start with the universal one. We both could have picked this guy. Everyone's going to ask about him anyway. So let's just start with Jacob DeGrom because he's probably the single most difficult guy, um, at least right now. Because once he's in spring, if he's throwing BBs down there in Arizona for Texas, it's over. He skyrockets, of course. But as it stands right now, there's drafts going on. People putting up money. People putting up real money in leagues, and they're having to figure out where to draft him. He goes pretty high. I'm not super comfortable with it, even though I understand the upside of him. He's the sixth pitcher off the board, uh, fourth starter. Take off Edwin Diaz and Emmanuel Clase there, and that's that's how you get to the fourth starter. 29th pick. How are you feeling about DeGrom right now? Going to a new team, still dealing with the the short samples recently, still brilliant anytime he pitches, of course. But what, what do you make of DeGrom and where are you putting him right now? The way I see it is you are not going to lose your fantasy league because you are not the player or the person who took Jacob DeGrom, right? You're not going to lose your league for passing on him is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. I I really hesitant. I'm really hesitant to do the double negative like that. I I feel feel you. The knots are more important. But yeah, it's I I know that feeling that if you let a guy go to someone else in your draft, oh man, you've lost it. He's the guy. People call him league winner. He's a league winner. He throws a hundred eighty innings or whatever. Out the window, Um, as as Yancey mentioned, that Toby mentions is that there are multiple ways to win. There's no real one ticket to it. So the problem I have with Jacob Degrom is that it, it can ruin everything so quickly. Yeah. And it's a headache. Even if he's doing well in April, you're still going to have that tension the entire season. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And I can't do it. I can't Ooh, deal with I'm it. Um, Sorry about that. I'm per- oh, someone's drafting right now. I have three drafts going right now. You have I'm three literally drafts right now. So, hey, Spore is on deck. Are you third round? Are you going to take Jacob DeGrom here? Is it that is it? so beyond the third round right now. <laughs> it is in the 46th round. I'm picking Jacob DeGrom's child. Yeah, there you go. Um, you should take your guy. No, your guy. The one that we might long gone. At the end is way long gone. gone. I, way and I gone. didn't get him. I got sniped on him. But we will talk. No, yeah, we're also no, going to do a, a pick, tease. a post three hundred pick at yeah. the end as well. Here, so the we're going to talk about end. things but that yeah, we're struggling around. with first. So yeah, I can't. I can't do it because where did you put him in your first list? First, I had um, how I normally do it is I like to group guys I think think are similar. So I put a whole injured tier. Okay. Um, 
And I think I have them right now. I keep pushing them down. I'm probably going to have them once again because you got to understand I'm doing this thing with also Spore, us uh, not Spore, <laughs> fast on uh, our OTC, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 1 through 10, 10, 11 through 20. But even then, I'm going to change it probably by February 7th a little bit. Oh, I think yeah. I'm going to have Jacob DeGrom outside of my top 10 just because I can't do it. In in the current rankings that, that are up, and I haven't done one since October on the site. I've been working on them. But the ones that are on the site, I put DeGrom 14th. 14th. I get it, right? Because we and just don't like, know. I, obviously, and, that means I'm not getting him based on where he's going. Right. And I'm not too bothered by that. I love him. I want him to do well. I'm going to go up and see him. I'm at least going to try. You know, uh, We'll see if we oh, can yeah, plan the right, right game. Oh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm taking Jen up there to Global Life. It'll be my first time at the new one as well. And I'm going to definitely try to plan it around a DeGrom start because I'd love to see him. So I better go early, obviously. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so tough. Bad. And if you take him, I'm not going to blast you either. Like I right. get it if you want, if you want to do that. Um, just be prepared. Don't, And I don't mm. want to hear you complaining. I will say that. Anybody that drafts him, don't come crying to Nick what, and I yeah, you know, when you lose right. him. We'll we'll help you find a replacement. The the daily rundown that Nick yeah. does will help you find a replacement. The articles I do over at Fangraphs will help you find a replacement if you need one. But don't come crying to us about it. Well, the problem so is that the innings are like the question is 120 though. Spore that's still really valuable. That's so much better than those guys. He can be a but top. But that's kind of favorable. Picture. That's on the favorable side, I think, of the outcomes. Based so on the last even two that years, one yeah. is in the bank. Um, 64 and 92 the last two yeah. years. Can't Obviously, 2020, who cares? That's 68. Nobody was pitching innings that year. So, yeah, that's Jacob DeGrom. We're nervous about him. Um, it'll change for me at least a, a bit in spring. If he if he gets through spring, well, I'll, I'll move him up. But I'm not going to move him up to, like, one either. Because, again, like right. you said, he can yeah. be great in April, but you still have five more months to deal with. It's an right. ever-present thing with him. And I understand that it's ever-present with every pitcher. But with DeGrom, it's the price that you're putting out to get him. Like I know that who's another guy like our boy Blake Snell. He has injury issues, you know. He's, he's but I don't Clayton pay anywhere Kershaw. near that price. Clayton Kershaw. If you want a guy that can pop like that, just take Kershaw later because he's still brilliant for every inning he pitches, and you do have to worry about the the downside of his innings. So totally get it. If you're taking Degrom, Nick and I right now we are not. So let's get into our picks. I'm going to take my first one here and talk about a guy who's been propped up quite a bit here on the uh, on the shows throughout the season or, or throughout PitchCon here, and it's Tyler Glass now. And I do get it because Glass now is a monster. He's uh, he's also beautiful. I, I feel like call me crazy. I'm not even joking. I feel like his good looks help him get drafted higher. Killian being, Murphy, man. Yeah, he's I'm being a hundred percent serious. Like if he looked like Ron Karkovice. He would not be going drafted this high. That is an old reference, but Ron Karkovice is the ugliest player wow. I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Ron. I'm not a good-looking dude, but Ron Karkovice is—he—he he needed to be a catcher. In fact, I heard this is—I don't know if this is true. I heard that Ron Karkovice could have been the best center fielder in baseball history, but he was so ugly that they had to move him to catcher so that he had to wear the mask. I—I I heard that. Here? I How heard that. Get here? That's just what I heard, Nick. <laughs> anyway, Tyler Glass now, beautiful man but uh, dangerously unhealthy uh, most years that he pitches. And I just don't know what to do with him. It seems the market is ready to just go full bore. And I get it because every inning he pitches is a wonderful inning. But here are his totals. I'll I'll leave out 2020 because it doesn't matter. Since getting to Tampa Bay, that 2018 split season, it was 112 innings. That was a career high. Then 61, skip 2020, 88, six and two thirds last year. What are we doing with with Tyler Glass now? Right now, you know, I put him at thirty three in that initial ranking that I talked mm-hmm. about. I've inched him up from there, but we got people taking him inside their top twenty right now. 
are you on that same spot with Tyler Glass now? Oh boy. Um, my latest one had him at 28. Okay. Uh, and listening to both Eno Saris and Steven Lineman this weekend um, during PitchCon has me wanting to push him closer to 20. I uh, so so the two arguments that I heard one um, is from Eno saying, "Hey, there's a 400 inning honeymoon mm-hmm. with Tommy John." I mean, it makes all the sense. Essentially, it's been repaired. We just don't think it's going to be as solid as an actual, you know, a normal elbow. Um, and then there are some parts like, yeah, obviously it's good right away. It's just not going to last as long. So it should be really good right now. The Rays are going to let him go. I, you know, I'm seeing in the comments right now from TPH saying 123 innings like McClanahan got in 2021. I think it's going to be closer to 150. Essentially, every five days he just goes. Sure, it's not going to be six I or seven, that, that. five innings. But 150 of Tyler Glasnow, I think the introduction introduction of the slider is ridiculously good from 2021. It is an element that Glasnow needed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird that his fastball isn't as good as I want it to be. But yeah, it's I, I kind of realize he should be able to go 140, 150. And that is really high quality. Um, so I might have him around 24, 25. Maybe I am going to include him inside that aces of dubs that I've been saying that goes for me up to Joe Musgrove at the moment, but maybe I just put him at 25 right above Nestor Cortez instead and just call it a day there. But yeah, it's it's a struggle right now. I mean, after last year, we saw Verlander return. We lost, we saw uh, Luis Severino return. We saw Shane Bieber return. All these guys that had these big injury questions entering the year and most of them came through for you. The heavy yeah. majority did. I and almost put Bieber in that. this in this spot, by the way. Right. We kind of we kind of did ace middle, and then and then a, we ended up both doing a combo for our third pick, and right. uh, it was almost Bieber for me. But I, I feel a bit more confident with him. Yeah, but yeah Glassnow's up there. Right, and it was I think twenty twenty one entering that it was Kluber and Tyone were the two injured yep. ones, and I overshot, and then I was more reluctant on Verlander and Severino. I mean, Clevenger and Syndergaard were in that mix, but Syndergaard I really hated. And Clevenger, uh, I was more encouraged by, and I was wrong to do so. To do so because but the, the price was was there. okay on him. That was okay. And, that was and still Thor, like to be honest, five or fifty. Yeah. You weren't um, getting hemmed up too much right. on the price with them. But Verlander but, went was up, and that was exceptional. And that's my homerism helped me. Yeah, because <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to pretend I had any insights on it. I just trusted him as a unicorn yeah. and took Verlander. But that that that's all it was right. was my bias so toward him. The thing is, people are assigning that now. I think to Glasnow. And I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Um, and that I that's what's going on right now. So I'm trying to find the right middle ground. And maybe there isn't just a broad stroke of the brush of how we treat uh, injured players. My rule of thumb from the last two seasons was, oh, if they are an elite pitcher, then I'll you know raise them up further Trust like Verlander yeah. was, right? As opposed to Kluber and Tyone, who, which they weren't. So yeah, I guess 25 is where I'm probably going to settle on uh, Glasnow. Right now, Glasnow is the 27th pitcher uh in drafts starting pitcher and i think that goes up as much as 10 12 spots if he's looking good in spring i think as we mm. get closer and in draft season yeah. i think he'll be surged up there people will get confident i can get as high as maybe 20 i think but if he is going in the top 20 i think that's where i tap out on glass now in most builds but uh, we'll see we'll see right now i'm 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 more encouraged by both PitchCon and our discussion right now. So I've already yeah. mentally moved him up. Let's talk about your guy because he's got some interesting aspects to him. Name him and then we'll, we'll discuss him. Yeah, it's Kevin Gosman because 
I get I get a feeling that this is Dylan C's 2.0 for me. Oh, uh, oh where you where, <laughs> where like last year, last year I was like, guys, I don't trust Dylan C's getting much better. I was like, no, Dylan C's, Dylan C's, Dylan C's is my guy, Dylan C's, Dylan C's. And I'm the one that's like, I don't know. He walks a ton of guys and it's only mm-hmm. a slider that's good. Then of course Dylan C's increases the slider usage massively and it isn't as bad on his fastball and his curve and overperforms. And there you go. That's this brilliant season, and I'm the idiot. Now we're all in consensus on Dylan C's, though. Now we're all like on the same page, which is nice. We all agree, which is cool. Kevin Gosman feels like that right now because I feel like I'm the low man on him. And a lot of people are in on him. And I understand why it's because of the K minus walk rate, a yes. 20% and 4%. And I Can I ask you it. one question right away? Absolutely. Why do you what what do you make of him leading baseball in Babip last year? That was insane. Yeah, it was, right. It so was that's persistent. It never and came I, and back. I, and the, the story of Babip to me is uh is goes all the way back to my favorite fangraphs article right the the noah syndergaard flaw yep. and that was uh, that was a similar discussion i think that we had not in the same way exactly of being historic but it was that oh noah syndergaard has a 337 bat but there's no way that's going to stick around look at his stuff yep. he's so good came ice walk is really I used good to say you know? that. and he actually deserved it because he would throw these fastballs that were very hittable just super hittable he like, and anyone can time 99 like even though think of right. the worst player that you know in baseball, he can time 99 if you're throwing it straight as an arrow. And his four seamer last year allowed 39% hard contact overall. It was worse against right-handers than it was lefties. 37% versus 40% reverse that. 40% for the for right-handers. Gosman's four seamer is a problem. And I, I I get that he has a super low walk rate, but when that low walk rate is making you more hittable, you had a 9.7 hit per nine last year. Sure, it was a seven in 2021 when, when by the way, the defense was way better for the Giants too. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think call. it was fortunate for him there, 275 Babip. And then the Jays, which by the way, with Alec Manoa kind of shows that it's not really just the Jays defense and the home turf that's affecting exactly. Kevin Gosman's Babip. But yeah, sure. Let's just say it's a 320. I'm just going to be generic and broad that's and quick on that. points off. Yeah, that'd be a Right, but let's just say it's that. Okay, the hipper nine comes down, but that's still not as amazing as I want it to be. Uh, and I think the ERA should have been higher than 335 last year based on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I kind of worry if, like, is this enough for us? Um, for SP17 I'm not, I don't hate him. as well. Yeah, I don't hate Gosman. I have him, I think, right around 20. I've seen people put him inside their top 10 uh, and hovering that. And I, I can't push that when I expect a hip or nine above eight. And that's just to me is, is making me a little bit too cautious on Kevin Gossman. It makes me really, it really tough for me to rank him. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think early on, you know, it was like, Oh, this, this Babbitt will regress because he's really good. Like you said, the strikeout and walk rates for Kevin Gossman were really strong. Um, he's not like a huge ground ball guy, giving up a ton of squirters through the, through, on the turf or in Toronto or anything like that. This should come down. And it just never did. And you had to start thinking at some point, he has to be playing a role here. And you go back to that fastball. I wonder, you know, in a perfect world, if we could get him on Cleveland, because they've had a lot of bad fastball guys that they've been able to figure out by saying, sure. stop throwing that sucker so much. I mean, Kluber at his peak had a legitimately bad fastball. 
The sinker oh, and the four-seamer yeah. were Carrasco, terrible pitches. Bieber's, Carrasco, is so Bieber's is still bad, and that yeah. gives people pause with him, and I understand that. So if, if he was on Cleveland, if, if Gosman was on Cleveland, maybe this can be solved. Maybe Toronto will, will get him there too, but then does he does he have enough to go to if, if he doesn't use that? Because then you're talking slider splitter, and we know how you feel about the splitter. I love the pitch when it's working, but it's that when it's working that you have to triple yeah. underline because it is such a difficult pitch to continually command. That's what you and I used to bat around with Montas. That's when you put me on the, uh, it, you can like the pitch, but you better be careful trusting it because of the difficulty of it to command. So I totally get you with the Gosman concerns that that Babbitt really threw me for a loop last year and it, it had me pushing him further down uh, in my rankings. I can't get him top 10 like some folks like you were mentioning. Right. I mean, keep in mind, people can say, but Nick, the 238 FIP, well, right. It's because FIP is about well, walks. It's about strikeouts yeah. and it's about home runs. Yes. And there's a lot more to uh, to me when I look at Gosman, again, talking about the bad ball stuff. It's not it's feeding fielding independent. Yes, but it doesn't quite acknowledge that not all BABIP is the same. Exactly. Uh, and and that, I think that's, that's, there. that's something that we've learned in recent years that BABIP. Uh, that guys some have some control in their Babbitt a lot more than we kind of ever thought uh, for right. the positive and the negative. So right. uh, let's move on to our next. Oh, go ahead. Did you have one more thing? No, no. I mean, uh, okay. just more little things like our model PLV that were just revealed uh, mm -hmm. at PitchCon um, for, for pitch quantification. It's It loves the stuff of Gosman. And we might actually, when we put out HitLock, which is our more simplified version of Babbitt based on what they throw, it might actually say like, okay, Gosman's HitLock wasn't as ridiculous as we think. So we'll have more on that in, I believe, in later in February. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because this is my theories about it. And tune back in March to see where Gosman is on that hit lock. I'll, I'll be eager to see your evolution on uh, on your Gosman ranking. Let's talk about my next guy here. You know, I love my body comps, my Chris Sales, <laughs> my stop signs, my Taylor Swifts. These are all things oh, that man. look exactly like my body. <laughs> Tristan McKenzie is my literal body comp. Same height and weight, 6'5", 170. Love watching him out there. I, I can envision what a stick. His nickname is Dr. Stick, so I don't feel bad calling him a stick. Is it really Doctor? I knew Sticks. I didn't know it, it says Dr. Sticks. I, so I want to say in B-Ref, it says Dr. Sticks. If I if I recall oh, correctly, awesome. it says Dr. Sticks, which I love. And so I really enjoyed the breakout last year. I, I can give myself a slight bat on the back. I was on it, had him in a few leagues, helped me out there. I didn't have a huge season, so maybe just a, t a slight back pad as opposed to a, a victory lap there because it, I didn't win many titles. Um, but he threw 191 innings, started off poorly. Remember, he, he came in, in relief, I want to say, on opening day. It was cold. You know how I feel about the cold. I know he oh doesn't God. like the cold with no no insulation to protect him. So he struggled. <laughs> I think even his first start was kind of crummy. People were like, oh, this McKenzie guy, no good. Boom, 296, 095 ERA whip. I remember reading an article, I want to say at The Athletic, um, that he had to learn to trust his stuff and just throw it in the zone. And say, here it is, hit it. I'm good. I'm better than you. You can't hit it. He actually got some encouragement from other players in the division. I want to say Sal Perez and Miguel Cabrera were the two that were cited that basically said, kid, you're too good to be just junking around and trying to throw everything out of the zone to get chases. Throw your pitches in the zone. Like they gave him basically a tip of like, you know, when you're not facing us, let us let us hit homers off you. But then everyone else, just throw your pitches in the zone. So he gained confidence and he took off, had a breakout season. 26% K rate, 6% walk. But I don't know what to make of him because coming up with McKenzie, he's probably the best prospect that they've had in this whole Cleveland is a pitching factory revolution. And so there was a lot of excitement about him. Like they made something out of Bieber. They 
got Kluber out of thin air. They revitalized Carrasco. Uh, you know, they turned some of those mid-tier guys into, into solid, firm guys that you could trust regularly. McKenzie's the guy that's supposed to be awesome, but injuries have consistently gotten him. And it is that frame that we wonder, could that hold up to a full season? It did, but can it do it again? Pair that also with a bit of a home run issue. Even last year at 1.2, that's a little high for me. I like that he doesn't walk guys, so they're solo shots instead of two and three run homers. And he does miss bats, but I'm nervous on him. And when you were showing me some things uh, that are going to be coming out uh, on pitcher list in the future, and you say, hey, any pictures you want to you want me to show you? I said, let me see one. McKenzie. Yeah. And it wasn't terribly encouraging. No. And I want to be in on him because, again, the the, the soft factors, the, the favoritism toward him, the fact that I like him, the body type stuff and all that. But that's just my heart. Like my brain says, danger, danger, danger. There's red flags here. And I think paying the premium on McKenzie is something that I'm not comfortable doing. And so I've, I've kind of been pushing him down my rankings over the course of the offseason. I have him 26 right now. He is SP uh, 26. It matches the huh. market right now. I think I'm going to end up below that right now. Where do you currently stand on Tristan McKenzie? Oh, boy. I have Tristan McKenzie. Oh, where is he? I can't even. I have to keep scrolling down. 38 is where I have Tristan McKenzie I get it. right now. Um, yeah, the, the PLV models hate him. Uh, and it's essentially an average fastball against uh, right-handers, below, way below average for a slider. I mean, generally, you guys know this. Righty on righty. Uh, sliders are the best pitch in the game, like yes. bar, bar none. Just and like our model off the charts. Scales at zero to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, five point two three is the average. Four seven one is like oh boy, that's when near, I like, saw that. Almost call a bad pitch. It's like yeah. oh god. Uh, he's his, his consistency on it isn't there. Um, the curveball he doesn't throw it enough. I think against right-handers, only fourteen percent usage. It's a little bit better, but four seven nine. It's not good. It just is not good. You're aiming for at least like a five two or something along those lines. Um, and curve is average against lefties, despite all the swing strikes. It's because he bounces so many of them. And it, it, it's it's frustrating to watch uh, Tristan McKenzie. Now, I'm glad the walk rate improved because he just kind of threw his fastball and was like, do something with it. And he got away with it. Yeah. So go uh, I don't think he's going to, though. The slider really, the consistency is not there. Um, yeah, we're going to see a fall a bit, I think, from Tristan McKenzie. Now, one thing I remember messaging you was that of all players in baseball, I think Tristan McKenzie is the only one I care about when it comes to best shape of his life. Yes. Because when you look at a skinny pitcher, one thing I've heard for a long time is adding weight helps so much with stabilization of mm-hmm. your mechanics and consistency with your mechanics. Essentially, the more you know strength you have, the more uh, you're the less you are, I don't know, prone to letting the fall of gravity take you, right? And he could come back. You know, he's like 165 or something. Yeah. Clearly, Cleveland is giving him a weight program. 10, 15 so pounds McKenzie, could do well he, for McKenzie. If he weighs mine, I'm at 180 over here. That'd be, okay. That'd be great. If he that would me, seriously be great. That would be better, right? Uh, <laughs> so, so maybe that will be a thing we see with Tristan McKenzie. If he improves on that, maybe that means we get more stability, more ability for the, uh, the four-seamer to stay up instead of just inside the zone. He did increase his zone rate six points from 2021 to 2022 on that four-seamer. So McKenzie did take that lesson, as you were talking about, from Excel Perez and the rest of the division, mm-hmm. saying throw the stuff in the zone, and it worked for him. I don't think it's going to again. And considering we have so many guys that are good, really, yeah. there's so many that I'm just stoked about. I had to just keep pushing down Tristan McKenzie because I think he's most likely to fall in this upcoming year. 
Yep. And, and it could be one of those things, you know, we have our guys that we always buy based on, or we always dictate based on price exclusively. Um, I, I keep mentioning Tyler O'Neill. I'm probably back in on him. I couldn't be paid to, to take him last year at the premium <laughs> because he's so volatile. And now this year with a little bit of a discount, I'm back in with McKenzie. I think I'm fading this year. And then if he does have the fall off that we're kind of expecting, he's like a mid fours ERA because the homers are too high and just doesn't quite do what he's expected to. And then he drops down past pitcher 50 next year. I'd probably be, probably be back in hoping that he can continue to kind of develop because he's only 25 this year. So we're at the early stages of his career. I hope he can stay healthy. And I agree with you. I'd love to see him come on, put some weight on, get past me on the weight marker there and be closer to 180, 185. I think that would be a really positive thing for Tristan McKenzie. Absolutely. So I'm fading him right now. You got a guy pretty close to me there. Uh, SP26 was McKenzie. You have SP32, a guy that was batted around quite a bit in the chat yesterday when we were talking Mariners guys. Which one of those three big Mariners pitchers are you fading? Actually, four, I guess they have. Well, it depends if you include Ray there, but just it's not Ray. So that was say, a, that, say oh, you're yeah. guy. Yesterday, I said like, Robbie Ray didn't even have him. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I understand. I was being facetious. I know. I know. Um, but it was also more as a rock. At the yes. Because the other the other Robbie three, Ray. Castillo, yeah. Logan, and, and George, and, and, yeah. are the dudes. Four I don't know why I use the first name for the other two. It was in the Castillo. context of like Gilbert and Kirby look up to the stability of right. Ray. I'm like, is that, did they have that? I don't know. But not Robbie Ray. I mean, I am struggling to rank Robbie Ray because the sinker grades so badly with us. Um, he stays away from righties with it, and it's just bad. He doesn't really jam lefties with it, and you saw what Yordan Alvarez did with it. Um, it by the way, very quick yet. tangent on that. If you didn't listen to our talk with Paul Seawald, um, fast sat down with him for an hour here at PitchCon. I believe it's on our podcast network as well. Mm-hmm. He talks about the preparation, and that was the plan for Alvarez going in. And man, it was. Uh, I've talked a lot about me watching this and seeing that that was their game plan, and just shouting. At, I remember at you being very I was angry so about that. I was so, and especially because you, you had all these hours with the game plan. And I, if I could talk to Paul uh, Seawald, I would say like, well, how many times do you think what you're seeing just throws away the eight hours of preparation? Because you could have seen that Alvarez was looking for that exact yeah, thing. And then just get away from it. Because it. And it's such a hard plan. thing. It's such a hard thing to decide what to do. Sorry tangent from the heart anyway logan gilbert i have no idea what to do um a really really fun conversation with Eno um earlier this week too of uh i love george kirby long term i trust i trust his four seamer more um sport uh oh man i keep thinking you are everybody spore Eno is uh believes that logan gilbert's four seam is better and oh boy, I, I feel very weird in any way disagreeing with Eno, thinking that one pitch is better than the other. Right when he but says I, something on pitching that I'm like hard disagreeing with. Yeah, him, oh, I, I got like, to reassess oh, no, my stuff. What am I doing? So, Logan Gilbert's four seamer, I think, isn't commanded as well, and Eno agrees that, but he thinks the stuff is better. However, George Kirby's had a 16% swing strike rate overall last year, and that's mm-hmm. something that's just. Regardless of what you think of location and, and and whatnot and stuff, like that is a thing that was done. Maybe Kirby's command gets worse next year. It's not as sticky as, you know, makes a great point about. I think that Kirby's command is a stickier thing than the average pitcher. So I'm going to lean on that more. When it comes to George Kirby, um, well, actually, looking Gilbert, man, they're just to Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah, get, Jeremy, I, I know. Guys, this is the fourth day of PitchCon. 
My brain is a mush. And, okay. and you've had a lot of chatter about both of these guys, Kirby and Gilbert. <laughs> the same let's, guy. Let's no. reiterate um, that Gilbert is yeah. the one that you're having the trouble with. And it's yeah. interesting you say that about them being the same guy because I, that's kind of the the feeling that I had at least coming into PitchCon, and then after some of the discussions that I've heard because they've been they've been hot topics, like I said. Um, right. I'm I'm starting to see the separation a little bit. And and leaning a little bit more toward well, Kirby, whereas I, I kind of liked Gilbert a little bit more coming into the weekend. Right. So the, with Gilbert, I don't trust his secondary stuff as much as I do Kirby, especially also the development of it. Mm -hmm. uh, really good points from, you know, about his focus and intensity to be like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to execute that as hard work. And that's great. Kirby, to me, has a better slider already. Um, and that is already going to amplify what he does. Gilbert already went through the process of trying to improve his slider and his changeup and didn't do it. He did tweak it a little bit by the end of the year. I don't know if I trust it from Gilbert yet. And I still think the fastball is a little bit worse, especially with how he commands it. So yeah. I see a situation where you have a good pitcher. I think that he's going to give you a good enough ERA. You have two straight seasons of a 118 whip, essentially, that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he improves in some fashion. But I don't... I, in some ways, I also think maybe he's getting away with stuff a little bit. He, he so might a little bit be. high left on base rate. His home run rate is a little bit lower than I expected. Especially for a fly ball guy. Gilbert right. is a fly ball guy, 35% ground ball rate. And you know what's a little bit weird about that hit rate, too, is that usually that's associated with a ground ball guy. They give up more hits. The fact that he has such a high hit rate, 8.3, oh, yeah. with the fly balls, that push-pull there. And I think Gilbert is a great example of the distinction between control and command. He has great yes. control. He'll fill the zone all day. He's not going to walk, guys. His command leaves a bit to be desired, which is putting the ball where you want, whether in or out of the zone. Control is just simply putting it in the zone. So I think he's a control guy. I think Kirby is a command guy right now. Yeah, because you look at the breaking stuff. I mean, this curveball is just like, please just find the zone for the love of God. <laughs> and then the slider is... Uh, look at strike zone plots. I really, really encourage this. We have it on our player pages right next to the GIF. And you know where you're, you want a slider and a curveball to be. You want them mm -hmm. to be low location. That means in the bottom third of the zone or lower. And you want them to be glove side. It, it's sure you can say against the lefties, you can see some backdoor stuff. Fine. Sure. But if I see YM lock, that is not high location in the zone, not low location in the zone, that third uh, uh, row in the middle, you don't want that ever for a breaking ball. You just don't. No. And when I see a lot of it from a slider specifically, I get worried. And that's a lot of Gilbert sliders. Um, it, it's just a 23% CSW that is way below average. Last year, uh, it was about 30% CSW is the yeah, league average for a slider. A huge you don't want wow. that. There's work to be done. And he already had a full year of trying to get that to work. Maybe he got a little bit better by the end, but I don't think it was enough for me to go, oh no, this is a new slider. Now I'm so excited if he just has that. There's still work to be done. So for me, I'm out on Logan Gilbert at the current price. I'm fine with him as like an SP4, but I don't think I can get him at that. Yeah, because there is love for him and uh, love for Gilbert and Kirby there. And they're kind of maybe Kirby's raising Gilbert because it seems like when one goes, the other goes after. I think same thing with the two Logans, Webb and Gilbert. They go near each other, too. So if somebody mm -hmm. pops Webb earlier, it almost seems like Gilbert by default goes shortly sure. thereafter because uh, that's just so seems different. I, well, I, I agree, but I just think I two, know, I two know, control yeah. Gil or two control Logans, they seem to go together for some reason. Maybe that's just in my head, but they Maybe are it's only just all of us wishfully thinking for a Logan sequel. Yes, um, we will. We'll, we want to see uh, if they can do it. But I'm with you. Gilbert needs to improve. 
and and oh, if yeah. he doesn't, uh, it could be some big trouble this year at his SP thirty two. And I, I do have some concerns about him. I've I've since moved him down already, even before this chat here, and Kirby way up, much closer to him. In fact, above him now. And uh, he does have that dog in him. Gilbert does, and I mentioned he's that got that yesterday. dog in him. And and I do believe that. Like I do believe he is. He does have that bulldog mentality. He competes, and that's why he's able to survive with that high hit rate. But at some point, you got to heed that three eighty five Sierra. Uh, as opposed to the 320 whip or 320 ERA, 320 whip would be a big problem. 320 ERA, <laughs> I do think he might be closer to an upper threes, low fours ERA for Logan Gilbert. All right, I uh, said I'm doing some slight cheating here because I'm taking a combo, and then you found a combo, so we just ended I up turning it. this into the yeah. combo picks for our our pick three here, and it's the two Cincinnati guys, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, and this one's kind of simple for me in terms of why I'm struggling. It's just the park. It, it's yeah. it's really that simple. I love both of them. I, I'm very, very interested in getting them, but I am terrified of that park. And they both have, they're both still a little bit raw too. There, there are issues to uh, kind of be worked through for both, but I do worry about what that park can do. It is Coors Jr. It is a park not to be trifled with. I don't think the, their supporting defense or bullpen are particularly strong either. And we need those things in fantasy, right? Like we need those ancillary pieces to be strong there when we're picking guys like this because they're expected to do some big things this year. You know, Green had that great finish. Those final six starts were brilliant. Lodolo showed flashes throughout his 103 innings last year. But I don't know what to make of either right now. And I'm a bit nervous. Let's take them one at a time. Let's start with Green because he's the one that's really drawing the attention and the flash uh he is going as sp34 well do just behind though at sp37 so they are going close how do you feel about green are you ready to take the plunge with him as somebody who's going to be a g this year man this is so hard so i'm actually being really aggressive with hunter green it's funny because back i like in that by the way because you're usually a little bit more yeah. cautious well I, I i keep going back and forth i keep like trying to find the right uh, answer. Uh, so I was six. I had him at 61st in October because what happened was I had my initial guys I was really excited about and believed in their upside. And then I essentially had my safe picks and my injured picks. And then I had another run of upside in my tiers. So that meant I had to push them essentially 15 or 20 spots lower than I kind of wanted to. But it's just like there are different groups. Which one do you want to go to? Right. Yeah. Kind of like how after the three premier leagues are all the even leagues underneath <laughs> that. Um, so Hunter Green now has is elevated up. Um, and it's not because of those last six starts. And I understand the appeal of those last six, especially considering his four seamer was up in the zone consistently. That's actually a really cool thing. Yes. Um, when Hunter Green throws the ball up, he succeeds. Actually, all of his hits last year were all down. He didn't have a single one when he threw the pitch up, which is wow. That's crazy. I knew I knew it was a success driver for him. I didn't realize to that degree. Yeah, it was green just does not give up high pitches. Wow. And the fact that you know, and I'm trying not to say that I'm going to read too much in those six starts, but there's something to be said. Maybe actually, you know, six starts he did that and believed it and had success. The slider also grades incredibly well, Mm -hmm. like super super well. Um, and then you sit down and you think about Hunter Green. You go, wait, he's just Spencer Strider and he's Christian Javier. He's the same guy. Yep. He's yeah. the same guy. He's 31% clear rate last year. 16% swing strike. It was 12th among all starting pitchers. He has the hardest fastball in the majors at 99. Um, That's yeah, good I, and uh, bad, though, right? Because sure, that, you could say injury stuff you yeah, want to talk about. That sort of fastball leads to injuries. That said, I don't. I don't try to predict injuries and run from guys too much. I really don't. Sure. Like if they're talented, um, I'm going to take my shots. And so what I think is you're worried about the park. So fair, absolutely fair. Um, if he is throwing that high heater, though, 
if he actually does that, then he'll be okay. And watching Alex Chamberlain's uh, presentation, talking a lot about location being um, launch angle, you can actually affect launch angle. And more up you go, the more you'll get to the pop-up land. Mm -hmm. Um, And Green is starting to embrace that and kept his slider down as well. So I love this. Um, I've gone for it. I'm saying, yes, Hunter Green, as someone who was against it when I first saw him, I was saying Nick Lodolo is going to be better than Hunter Green, all of this stuff. I am now in on Hunter Green. I'm going for it. I had him 34th in October. So I was matching the market before the market was really set. Um, I guess I am ready then because if they're, if he's already that high in my rankings, I'm, I'm ready to go for it. And uh, yeah, the park is a little bit scary, but that, that high hit thing or not allowing hits high in the mm-hmm. zone, he needs to trust that. Obviously, command has been an issue for him at times because he throws so hard and has such a nasty slider that Hunter Green doesn't always know where it's going. But that six-start glimpse was beautiful. You don't want to make too much of any small sample, but it was really, really uh, scintillating for him. Let's talk Lodolo. SP37, not too far behind. Works with the curveball as his best pitch. Um, maybe the higher prospect of the two. I don't remember. They were, Again, they're they're close in uh, where they're going in the market this year. They were close in in prospect rankings as they were coming up. I still think there's a lot to like. He had a bit of an injury issue last year. Only ended up with 103 innings because of the early season injury. I like him too, but not quite as much as Green. It sounds like you're in the same. Where does he currently rank for you, uh, Nick Lodolo? Yeah, I think I have him at 41. Okay, so you have um, a little bit of a bigger split between the two. Yeah, I, uh, I've i debated a lot with Fast about um, Nick Lodolo. I want to love him. I really do. I, I see a better version of Andrew Heaney um, where you have the uh, the fastball that we can't decide if it's a four-seamer or a sinker, mm-hmm. um, and it misses bats. Um, he does like to go up and in to right-handers, which I call my number one uh, number one quality of a lefty. If you can do that, oh boy, you'll have success. If you it's watch James a, Paxton's no-hitter against the yep. Jays, that's what he did. It is such a huge factor to finding success against that opposite hand as a lefty. And it, funny you mentioned Heaney. The 103 innings that Nick Lodolo threw last year is more than Heaney has in his entire career. Don't look that <laughs> up. Oh, nice. Um, but the 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 curveball works incredibly well um, against right-handers and left-handers alike. Uh, and he dominated lefties. He just didn't face them last yeah, year. They, they, they mean, took him really, out. They got a day off. Agree, degree, uh, which is kind of wild. And to see Lodolo perform this well, honestly, 366 ERA, 125 whip, 30% K rate, pretty much thrown against 80%, 85% right-handers mm-hmm. is pretty ridiculous, um, especially for a guy that I think can improve as he's going to be 25 this year with the changeup that's developing. If that changeup, shows up i mean that's a, often a very good nullifier for off uh, handed batters oh that this could be incredibly exciting um i do worry that the sinker is a little too volatile often we see that from lower arm angled lefties um where they struggle to uh go you know elevate as they want or, or really locate east west you see that in shamanaya for example Ooh, um and i oh thanks buddy and <laughs> i and nick Lodolo might have that too which makes him you know nine percent walk rate that seems kind of right yeah so it's more volatile than i wanted um, from lodolo i think he is also going to be susceptible more so to that uh to that park than hunter green will because of that so i'm a little bit out on lodolo but uh, it's a fun one 
There, there's a world where you can still lot. get him, though, right? You said 43 yeah. you have him, SP 43? Yeah, 41 or so. 41. Right. He's going SP 37. There's going to be drafts where he's there for you. You're yeah. not you're not aggressively running away from Modelo, and neither am I. Um, I have, have since moved him up from the 43. That I We were pretty much in lockstep there. 43 in yeah, that October ranking. He's How already incrementally here? jumped up. <laughs> On the page that I'm looking at here that has my projections and everything, he's already moved up to 39. Um, mm. And I'm not I'm not done with everything yet, so we'll see we'll see where Lodolo ends up. So I feel a bit more confident about them after talking with you. I, okay. I will I will end up with some shares of them. By the way, you mentioned Lodolo, 25 this year, Hunter Green, 23. I, it's insane. Must be nice, man. Must be nice <laughs> for the Reds to have two guys like that, man. And they uh, if they didn't have such terrible ownership, maybe they could actually get some stuff going. Yeah, right. All right, let's go to your duo. Uh, talk about team context. It is on the complete other end of the spectrum, and it's what part of what makes them appealing, but they have questions within how they perform. Imagine if we could flip things and put Green and Lodolo on this team oh my gosh. and then discard these other two guys to the Reds. That's kind of <laughs> mean. But uh, give, us your, give us your duo well, the Dodgers. Actually, I, I like how we're doing this, where you express the guys that you're worried about, and then you tell me, how, and then I tell you how to feel. I want you to do the same here. We'll start with Tony Gonsolin uh, with Dustin May. But Tony Gonsolin, I mean, obviously... Super low bat, but last year, you know, saying that mm-hmm. the shift helped him the most. But I mean, still phenomenal, sparkling season last year. Sixteen and one, uh, two fourteen ERA, 0.87 WHIP, twenty four percent carry. What should I do, Spore? So of course he's going to come back to the pack a bit, without a doubt. Gonsolin is obviously he's not going to put up a sixteen and one again. If anything, just because that's so difficult. The Dodgers are good again, two fourteen as well. I do think, though, that he can remain successful. Remember the command issues that he had in 2021? They didn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. compared to the uh, profile that he'd had, right? He had a 14% walk rate. I was like, what's going on with him? Well, he had 56 yeah. innings. Injuries were a big problem there. You do mention that he benefited from the shift, and while there are, there are going to be moves on the shift, it's not completely gone. Defenses can still alter themselves in different ways to sure. hopefully help him. And the Dodgers are one of the, you know, they're at the forefront of analytics and making the best out of their players. I think they're still going to find ways to protect Gonsolin a bit. I think the problem that I have and that I, I don't know that I can get you too excited about him because I think the market is still going to be pretty excited about him. SP 54. That's not a terrible price for somebody oh. with a 214. I think that's they're, they're pretty All smart right. to not overrate him. But I think it's going to go up. So unless you're doing winter mm-hmm. drafts, I think he's somebody that will start to move up as things go. Because um, if anything, just because of where he's going to rank in league. So to get, kind of depend on the outlet that you're playing at. NFBC is where he's the SP 54. These were all the data that we're giving. But because of how well he pitched last year, places like ESPN, Yahoo, they're probably going to have him higher in their default rankings. And I don't think the price is going to be as good. I do still think that he has a good enough arsenal to be a solid mid threes guy, miss enough bats. He's always missed enough bats, 12.6% swing strike rate. That's good enough to be a 25% K guy, which is kind of, where you want to be there. If he's your SP4, I don't have that many questions about him. Can he go a buck 80 though? Will they let him? Right. That I don't know. So that I can't really get you confident on. If he's not your SP4 or later, I'm fading him too. So I don't have a ton to say, yes, stick with him because changing the shift rules, uh, being overrated based on how he did last year, those are going to be factors working against him. And I don't know that those are necessarily going to change um, in draft season. 
you know, SP54 is pretty much where I have them. So that, that um, works I, at NFBC, but I do think that that the other outlets yeah, are going right. to default him higher. Because and, and that was draft him. champion stuff, and they're yes. saying the injury questions from 2021, only 130 innings in 2022. That's why you see Gonsolin fall. But, you know, in our 12-team stuff that I talk about, I Gonsolin becomes more of a, sure, we'll just, I'll just start him as, until, you know, he's hurt. And, and, that's and there is that aspect, though, with guys like that, where you if you are in a 10 or 12 team league and you do have a more robust waiver pool, you can be more, uh, take more Aggressive. risks with guys like Volume this. Volume isn't as important. Exactly, because uh, you will be able yeah. to replace it. And so if right. you believe in him, go for it. But I'm going to, I'm going to heed the 404 Sierra skill interactive ERA and say, don't get too aggressive with 404 talented pitcher not found um we have yeah. uh <laughs> what you saying he has no talent that was a good 404 <laughs> reference that was, that was a brilliant reference but i uh, but no tony gonson what i've seen is that the splitter uh zone rate went up massively last mm-hmm. year and I, we it talked about how hard the splitters are too yeah. by the way sorry to interrupt you but we, we, no, we talked fine. about how, how difficult they are he had a brilliant season with his splitter that was a yeah. key driver and that does breed command issues even though he's had good walk rates most of his career outside of that 2021 there's just a lot of questions with gonsolin yeah most of which i don't think will be answered until we're already deep into the season and you've already kind of had the roster him. yeah the uh the thing that actually I care more about is the slider because if the slider is getting a ton of strikes and doesn't need to throw the splitter as often and uh, in the same way, mm-hmm. he had to get a 70% strike rate on a slider la- on a splitter last year after a 58%. And that, um, I don't think that's going to stick around. Uh, 43% O swing was ridiculously higher than we've seen in previous years. Peak command of a splitter. I don't know if that sticks. While the slider fell underneath, it was still under a 60% strike rate. It was actually why I was against Gonsolin entering this year because it was a 52% strike rate in 2021 for Gonsolin's slider. He improved it, still not enough. So for me, I think I as an SP4, I don't know because for me, the first four starters I take need to be guys. I'm I'm good with the entire year. I feel like health uh, is should be good with them, and I feel confident through the entire year to have them. Gonsolin, I would love an SB5 12 team where you can make that work, especially yeah. if he's going around 50 or so. Like, great. I would love to add Gonsolin as something I don't need to rely on. But it's struggling. It's a struggle for me to really figure out exactly where to put him. And when Dustin May. Now that oh, I can maybe give you a little bit more confidence on. Yeah, please. I mean, so it's a 4 or 5 ERA, 117 whip. Came back from Tommy John. And we all say, oh, Tommy John, the last thing that comes back is command. Yep. 11% walk rate. Um, I do have some other concerns, but I'm curious, like, should I just kind of throw them away? He, the price is too, is low enough that you should just jump in. Pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, coming back from TJ, wanted nothing to do with him last year just because you're going to get those blowups. And guy, t- the way TJ works, man, you can come back. You can have five great starts in a row. You look like you're back to yourself. You're an ace. And then that one comes and they say that they just didn't feel right that day. Like you hear guys talk about it. They've had TJ and they've had those blowups. They're like, I felt like a different guy that day. And that happens even when you're healthy. But with TJ, right. the bulbs are just going to happen over the course of their comeback. I think those 30 innings kind of count as his comeback, though. We're going to be several months removed from it now. And I do think that it's going to be not all systems go, because, again, he's never pitched more than 56 innings in the majors. But I think it's going to be most systems go. For one, the Dodgers sure. don't have their same starting pitching depth of recent years. They need a buck 30-plus out of Dustin May. He's 25 years old. I think it's time to take the kid gloves off a bit and let him unleash. 2021 was going to be the breakout. Everything was in line there. I know it was 
only five starts. I don't want to overrate it, but it was there fun. was so was much fun. to believe into what was yeah. going on there that I really do think he was about to take off. Sure, the 86% left on base rate was probably going to come back to earth, but so was the one six homer nine that he had based on a 40% homer to fly ball rate. <laughs> he had a 38% K rate and a 7% walk rate. His stuff has always been nasty. We've always been wondering when stuff, and I say always, it was like 90 innings of Major League Baseball from 19 to 20. But in those 90 innings, we were like, where's the swinging strikes? Where's the strikeout stuff? He throws these he's the most gifable pitcher out there especially because of his look with the hair and everything too um what's going on and then it clicked and then he popped of course that that's uh, that's what happens came back last year had his tj issues but 13 percent swinging strike rate i think this is the year to get him because the price is going to go way up next year after he has a solid year sp47 is not dirt cheap but it's not super expensive for somebody that i think can be a true sp2 sp3 for you i'd say more sp3 because i do think the innings will be limited to a degree i think a buck 50 would be fair that that would still be a 120 inning jump from last year but i do think the dodgers are going to have to push him a little bit for their own success and i just think there's so much to like with what he does and the stuff that the glimpse that we saw in 2021 i think may is ready to have a coming out party Oh man, I want I want you to be right. I so do. Um, we love the sinker um, against right-handers. Mm-hmm. Uh, against left-handers, we still love the sinker. So the sinker is really good. <laughs> I believe. I mean, it's not a swing and miss pitch. I think that there is are struggles to be had with Dustin May's uh, overall command still, um, and the fact that it is a sinker does allow him to get hit a little bit too much uh, more than I would want with it. And that's what made me excited in 2021 was that the cutter or really you could say the breaking ball. I was all of a sudden that swing and miss pitch and changed yes. everything. Um, I mean, also, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the model right now against the lefties. The curveball had a five, eight, three, which is just what that's not. That's insane. You're not supposed to do that. I uh, for a curveball. Right. They didn't, the I mean, it was such a small amount. It, it, yeah, pretty much broke it. Didn't the cutter um, also in that the short cutter graded pop well off in 2021? Um, we it's honestly too few pitches thrown against right-handers for us to do this uh, that's for fair. 2021. Um, but uh, that's not it's not returning anything for us there. But yeah, Dustin May. The problem I have is trying to fit him in with everything. If I if I'm going for Dustin May, that means I need to essentially get him by the 12th or so, 12th or 13th. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I want him as my SP4. I I know you like I, your I core would, four. That you right. always you, and your foundational four there have to be the guys you build off of. And I get that. Because it allows me to play. It allows yeah. me to then do what I think is the the easiest way to get value in season, which is through pitching. Uh so I can't do that if I have to find my entire staff on it. But if I need to find like two or three, oh man, then I'm gold. Then I've got like seven pitchers I want to start all the time. Like that's how you soar in your leagues, mm-hmm. at least in my view. So I don't know if Dustin May can be that right there. I'm looking at NFBC ADP, like Chris Bassett. I feel so much stronger about for the full year. Who's going seven picks before Dustin May. Pablo Lopez is going two picks later. And again, those both of those guys to me as an SP4, I'm like, good, fine. We're all right. We're settled. Dustin May, we're hoping that the command fully comes back. I hope that that swing strike comes back on that breaking ball. But it's I don't know yet. And that gives me a little bit more hesitation at the moment. But yeah, I might be pushing up a little bit. Um, I think you are convincing me more so about, yeah, Dustin May's skills are really good. And the more and more we talk about this honeymoon with Tommy John, Stephen Lyman was really smart being like, yeah, Tyler Glasson's ready to go. He should be good to go. Everything's fine. He pitched back and he was great. 
I think May is too. So, uh, yeah. and he's cheaper than glass now. All right. We don't have too yeah. much time left. Nick's going to come in and interrupt us here in a moment. <laughs> so yeah, let's, get, <laughs> let's do our favorite post 300 ADP guys. This is uh, since January 1st draft champions at the NFBC exclamation ADP in the chat. If you're watching PitchCon live and we'll just do a quick hitter on them. I'll let you do yours first. I mean, and it's the same can, thing. You, but you can also do your quick mention of the guy who's oh, no yeah. longer outside. Well, what I really, actually, in my 12-teamers, who's going after the end of your draft, essentially 275 picks after that is the end of your standard 12-teamer draft. Somehow mm -hmm. Michael Kopech isn't drafted. And he got surgery on his right knee, not his left. Stephen Lyman made a really good point about this. That's better. It's not the load-bearing knee. That's right. Something that was bothering him through all of last year. He got the surgery, and as long as the surgery was fine, he should be good to go. Take a chance on that. His he price is nothing. It's nothing. He's the SP5 for the Chicago White Sox. He's throwing 96, 97 in spring. Oh my gosh, everyone's going to go for this guy. You're right. You're same right. With, He'll soar. Same with Kenta Maeda, who is Love the same Kenta thing about Maeda. the Tommy John uh, honeymoon. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way I see it is when you're talking about these late picks, if the if all they need to be more valuable is health, that is the one I would take. I completely that is agree the with thing you. I go for. It's so much easier to unlock that. Than then skills. it is a new pitch. That's like one of my, my main adages. If everything's in place but the health, I'm taking that guy. Right. Give he me has the, the opportunity. skills. So uh, I'm all for both of those guys at their late picks. Kenta Maeda, Michael Kopech, I like it. I'm actually staying in the AL Central. We didn't do this on purpose. Look at that. And it's not as easy because the schedule is unbalanced, uh, a little bit more unbalanced this year. So they don't just get to beat up on their division. But Cody Morris, when I did the the panel with Johnny Legeza and Scott White, I had to go before they had a chance to talk about Cody Morris. So I didn't get the chance to rave mm -hmm. about him. I'm just fully bought in on Cleveland Guardians and what they do with pitchers. And I really, really like Cody Morris. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to be somebody who's going to maybe not start the season in the rotation because he's not currently penciled in Bieber, McKenzie, Quantro, Savali, Plesak, but Zach Plesak's not very good. And they've had some injury issues with certain guys too. I think there will be opportunity. I think he is next man up. Cody Morris is. He's really, really talented. The one thing is I don't think he's going to be able to get a full workload, but that's okay. He's not starting the season in the rotation. If you have reserves or if you're in a deeper league like draft champions, 50 rounds, get Cody Morris, wait for him to get in the rotation and then take off. I think he's going to have a huge summer. You know, 13% swing strike around a four-seamer because he had a 62% high location. Cody Morris, Cleveland with a good with fastball? With a good fastball? Maybe? maybe? No, I love that pick. I remember when he came up this past year, I was like, hey, this is actually a surprising sleeper. Had a wonderful start against the Twins, one inning. Sorry, six innings, one and run, six Ks. I want to say I, I, James I Anderson put me on. I think that's the right mm -hmm. accreditation that I want to give that put me on him last year before he even came up. I've been tracking him since. Like I said, I'm in on anybody Cleveland. Um, you know, if they brought Dave Burba back, I'd be at least a little <laughs> bit interested. Just a little bit. Just a tad. Uh, but that's all we got here, Spar. I got to yes. kick you out. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you listen on the podcast, definitely appreciate that. Everyone watching on PitchCon, please donate to the ALS Foundation. This is for a wonderful cause. We love Sarah Langs. We love everybody. You know, obviously anybody that is dealing with this, if it's touched your life in any way, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you can do, it all matters. Nick, you do such a brilliant job with this, man. The way your organization skills are to put on such an amazing event. I love you, dude. I'll also see you in an hour because I'm doing, I'm hosting yes. the panel in an hour for you. So I'll be back. Fantastic. Uh, Spore, thank you so much. And it's always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spohr and at PitcherList.